Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, g'day. I'm Osher Ginsberg. This is Better Make It Quick. It's the quick Wednesday version of Better Than Yesterday, which is a podcast here to help you make today better than yesterday. Something that you hear on every single episode will do just that, make today better than yesterday. We do it by having conversations with people from all walks of life, from all over the world, and some of them are experts at what they do. But every one of them will leave you with something that'll make today better than yesterday. I'm Osher Ginsberg. I'm a TV host. I'm an author. I'm a dad. I'm a stepdad. I'm a, a folding production table acquirer. I am a hotel, rented hotel room uh, reconstructor. Uh, don't show the people on Airbnb what I've done to this place so I don't echo so much. <laughs> but you know what's interesting is that rental property beds stand on their ends quite well and they can serve as baffles. But nobody needs to know that. So Wednesday's shows are Better Make It Quick. It's a uh, just a revisit back to episodes of the past because there's episodes that stretch all the way back to 2013. So I asked one of my producers, Bree Steele, I said, Bree, can you go back and find episodes that you're interested in? And um, that way, you know, it's an opportunity for someone else's ears to go back across the things and hopefully get you vibe to go back and listen to the full conversation. In 2017, I sat down with Benjamin Law, who came to my house back when we could have people over. Um, He came into my kitchen. Benjamin Law is an extraordinary person. He's a broadcaster, he's a writer, and he's a creator of the uh, TV series, The Family Law. Ben has an extraordinary way with words. When he speaks, you'll hear it in his voice, he has a calm and and considered way. I I really lean in and, and listen to the way he talks. And I guess in some ways, I describe Benjamin as a social commentator. And he's got a very active presence and a very activist presence on on social media for the things that he believes in. Now, as is inevitable, uh, his experiences on social media aren't always pleasant, but Ben has a way of taking a step back and and looking at his experiences online in a slightly different way. If most people who have engaged with me are good, that must mean that most people are good as well. Um, 
Look, one of my one of my happy happy TV watches is Gogglebox, right? And for those, I think it's the greatest show on television. It's one of, like it's so fantastic. If you told me that a show where you watch people watching television was at all interesting, I would say you were crazy. But what what that show gives me hope about is you've got such different slices of Australia, such different demographics, and you know across the board that would be voting very differently as well. But if you sit people down and you give them the information and when they watch something like an Australian story about an asylum seeker, everyone comes on board and says, that's really screwed up. What this country has done to that woman is awful. And I don't think it's about most people having a hardened, awful heart. I think it's that a lot of us don't have the information at hand to equip us to have the conversation. What's dangerous is that a lot of the media encourages us to start having a conversation that we don't have much knowledge about. You know, talkback radio is exactly that. What's your opinion on something that you've heard five minutes about? Well, I've got a very strong opinion about that, Alan. You know, it's that kind of thing. Um, Safe Schools was a really good example of that. Like I came out of of the park just saying, I I support this program that supports LGBTIQ kids. But then I realized that once I started doing research about it, even I as a supporter – was really misled about what about what the program was by the media, but I'd already built an opinion on it. And I think that's kind of dangerous as well. Because we, we're so fast nowadays, we are encouraged to be very certain about things and to be very, very um, bruised and defensive when someone takes us up on it. But I think, um, you know, it really takes strength to be able to step back and say, well, does this person have a point or should I feel ashamed by, by what I, why I said? One of the, one of the, you know, one of the hashtags that's been big in the last week or so has been the Me Too hashtag by by women. Essentially, like I just scrolled in horror and saw that basically every woman I know has experienced sexual abuse or assault and or and or harassment. And what's kind of been sad about that is how little how how few men I saw really engage with that because it made us feel uncomfortable um, because the logical extension of that is if all women have experienced that then all men have either been perpetrators or no perpetrators and then I had to kind of look back you know my initial my initial point when people were like kind of saying men you need to speak up was defensiveness. And I'm like, well, I, I don't want to intrude on a conversation that women should own. That was my first thing. And then I was just like, well, I didn't do anything bad myself. This is all an internal conversation. And then finally, I'm like, well, actually, if I do think through my behavior, I've said stuff like to women, oh, he's just like that. You know, don't don't worry about him. He's just like that. Or I've said to women, I'm mates with him, but I probably wouldn't be if I was a woman because he's a bit weird around them, you know, and I feel like that behavior is really messed up as well. You are dismissing harassment. You are essentially providing a soft racket for people to keep going on with their behavior, and I haven't taken them to task. So I kind of realized those women made me feel uncomfortable, and that's because they have a point. But it takes a while for your brain circuitry to be able to be flexible enough to get to that point. But I understand why people feel uncomfortable when they're taken to task because I do too. It take, and it takes a while. It takes longer than the 13 seconds you've got to reply to a tweet before your timeline refreshes exactly. and the next thing's there. And that, that, that jolt of anger that surges through you, that's, that's always the peak time. But you it feels wanna, so good. It feels so good. It's just like, you're a fucker. I hate you. Righteous anger feels so good. Mm. And that's the – I think that's the other thing that, 
is is at play here is it feels good to be to be righteous to be right absolutely it feels, it feels good to to point a finger and go it would have been fine if you hadn't fucked it up yeah how dare you do this to me and it feels so awful to feel shame mm. you know um i think there is this big movement where um you know, there's something central to Australian culture where you shouldn't be ashamed of that. And I think most of that comes from the right place. Like you shouldn't feel ashamed about how you look or, um, you know, about your upbringing or about your ethnicity. You shouldn't feel shame about those things. But sometimes I feel like it extends to a point where it's like you shouldn't feel shame ever. But it's like actually shame can be really instructive as well. And shame, when you think about it, is the only way that you change because the feeling of shame is so horrible that you never ever want to feel that again. So you're going to probably modify your behavior or your actions in order for that behavior never to make you feel like that again. You know what I mean? Like embarrassment and shame. Maybe I'm Chinese and those things are actually used in our culture quite strongly. <laughs> it's just like parents always to their children, you should be deeply ashamed. It's like, yes, we are ashamed. But, you know, for change, sometimes we need to acknowledge that we are ashamed and then kind of take the next step, which is to ask why I feel like that and then to ask what I should be doing differently. Self-introspection. That's something we could all do with a bit more of, I reckon. Yeah, challenging our thoughts and asking, why do I feel this way and what can I do differently? Yeah, it's important stuff. Ben seems to be someone who thinks a lot, quite clearly. He's a very passionate man and he's been purpose-driven from quite a young age. I wanted to know where that came from. Why does he think that way? You mentioned before that I'm a minority within a minority. Maybe it takes being an outsider for me to be quite cognizant of the fact that um, society isn't actually fair for everyone. And you might maintain that you don't see race, but that doesn't account for the fact that if you've got black skin in this country, you are more likely to be incarcerated and have a shorter life expectancy. Um, the, 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 I'm, I'm very much about making sure that and, and, you know, because I've got, a, I've got a features journalism background, that's one of the hats that I wear. I'm very sure to make, um, to make sure that, that your hunches, that your sentiments is actually backed up by facts. And if they're not, then they're not valid and we can't have a conversation in, in good faith. And that, that's a big thing about uh, that I've, I, I, I come back to a lot when, when people throw shit at me online, I guess. Yeah. It's like, look, that's great. Can you send me some maybe a journal, yeah. a scientific journal that shows me what you're saying? Or yeah. can you send me some articles? Show me your receipts. Not from Newsmax, please. <laughs> and not from – someone said the other day, you should watch YouTube and read the comments. The project doesn't mm. report properly. I'm like, I'm going to read some fucking tinfoil hat shit about <laughs> fucking what you think Waleed Ali's agenda is for fuck's sake. Completely. So, you know, you know someone with, with an iPhone doing a selfie at a bad angle where you can see their nostrils claiming that kids are taught about, I don't know, anal in their school. Yeah. Apparently that's true just because they said it to their phone and it's like in that case yeah where are their receipts where is where is the show me the receipts show me your peer-reviewed scientific studies <laughs> oh who was here the other day sam destiari was here the oh, other yeah. day 
and he said, you're entitled to your own opinions, mm. but you're not entitled to your own facts. Mm. And I really love that. Yeah. And, I, and that, that doesn't, that, that, and then, you know, and I can be guilty of that myself. And yep. I've learned to say, and, and it is something we mentioned it earlier, but it's something I have to say more and more. It's like, you know what? I just don't know. Mm. I just don't know. It's one of the things I love about Dr. Carl. I yeah. love it when he says, my favorite three words he says, like, I don't know. Tell me. That's always a sign of a good scientist. It's always a sign of a good commentator. It's a sign of a good journalist. These people accommodate for doubt. You don't have to be the expert on everything and you don't actually have to have an opinion about everything. It's completely not just fine but preferable if you mm. get your information first. You know, Lee Sales, mm. um, years and years ago, she wrote a book that's just been re-released called On Doubt and it was all about how, you know, especially in news journalism, doubt is this completely diminishing commodity to the point where doubt is actually seen as weakness in the news media. And that should concern us because if journalists aren't expressing doubt, if they're not asking questions of the story from every angle, if they're not asking questions of themselves about the weaknesses in their story, you've failed to have good journalism. And I feel that kind of... Um, diminishing currency or, you know, seeing doubt as something that we should back away from is is really worrying. Do you think it's a, like there's the case has been made for trying to increase scientific literacy in the general public as mm. a way to be more informed about things like energy policy, for example, or climate change or science when it comes to vaccines or things like that. Would you think the same could be said for uh, journalistic um, literacy and like yeah. here's how like yes it's on a website it's in bold font they've got a fancy video Oop, look there's even a gif yeah does that mean it's real I feel you leave high school in this country so unequipped for a lot of the world with which we engage. Like, for instance, this is a country where voting is mandatory. And I actually think that's kind of a cool thing, that everyone is forced to get involved in democracy. But by the time you leave high school, every state in Australia of surveyed school leavers shows that only New South Wales passed in terms of its school leavers actually understanding how Australian democracy works. And that's not a judgment on young people, by the way, because by the time I left school, I definitely didn't really no, no, understand. Not until my like, 20s. What is the Senate? What, what, how does federal politics differ from state politics and what are their different responsibilities? I think a lot of Australians even struggle to understand that. I don't think it was even until I had a, like a tour of Parliament House in my late 20s that I really understood the relationship of how, you know, the House of Reps and the Senate kind of has to work together or, or not. Um, and because of that lack of understanding of civics, that kind of bleeds into, into our democracy mm. as well. Um, I think you're totally right. We, we don't have media literacy either. And I only got that at the age of 17 when I left school because I did a subject called Media and Society. I'm, I'm like a very privileged, snooty, wanky art student who got to do that subject. Not all of us get to understand about media ownership, the difference between you know this paper and that paper, how newspapers, and how TV stations work, how that information gets disseminated. Mm. Um, those, those critical faculties that I, that I take for granted, I acknowledge that not everyone has, but it makes me wonder whether we should. We do have to take a bit of a break because podcasts are free to listen to. They're not free to make and I do like to pay the people that work very hard to help me make this show. And if you want an ad-free version of this show, it is available at Patreon, patreon.com slash osher. Until then, here's some commercials. We'll be right back with Ben. 
This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people sing you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Benjamin Law is a very successful author, screenwriter, journalist, playwright, legend. He uh, he writes for a living. His job is to write. And at the time we'd met, uh, I was actually halfway through writing my own book. And to be honest, the advice that he gave me, which you're about to hear, is the advice that got me to finish the book. So without the bit you're about to hear, there is no way I would have ever, ever got through the book that I wrote. And it was Ben Law that told me how to do it. Because I was halfway through writing it when we met. I asked him if he can tell when he's off his game with his writing and how does he get back on track? I can tell I'm off the game because it happens at least every day I'm at my desk. I think all writing is kind of torturous and any writer who says they love being at the desk is lying. And why writing is torturous is that you're getting stuff wrong literally with every sentence until you get it right. It's a constant going, oh, that shit. Oh, that shit. How do I make it better? Oh, that's almost there. Okay, on to the next sentence. It's kind of, it's kind of you're, you're doubting yourself every single time you, you, you hit the typewriter. Um, and then there are some days, actually most days, where you also hit a wall where you're like, this isn't working whatsoever and I am ready to glass myself, <laughs> you know? Like it's, people call it writer's block. Um, you know, I call it like brain constipation. You, you, you've just looked at it for too long. And for me, and I know this sounds like very kind of, I don't know, Michelle Bridges or something, but for me, it wasn't until I discovered moving my body in my 20s that I realized that actually has a relationship with with my writing. How so? So, writing requires you to be very, very still at the desk or wherever you're writing. So, nowadays, you know, some days I sit at the dining table, but most of the time I'm writing at a standing desk, mainly for my posture. And I'm not moving my body whatsoever and I'm moving my brain really, really, really fast. And to step away from the computer and to do the complete opposite gives your brain a rest. So I grew up, even though I grew up on the Sunshine Coast, I was the most shithouse swimmer in the world, Osha. I, I Swimming carnivals were mandatory, as with most Queensland schools. Terrifying. Terrifying. As an overweight kid, it was the most horrible day of my year. Oh, my God, to, to strip off in front of everyone Worst in the well. world. And it's like... I'm still getting fear. Just look at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just keep crawling. He's, he's thinking about it. Your body language has changed oh, very, yeah. very dramatically. But for me, scrawny, scrawny Asian kid who can barely swim has to hold onto the lane ropes to even get past 50 meters, always disqualified and loses. Um, swimming has always been like a really you know, hard thing for me to do. But then I got into it because I realized it was good for your body, good for your back, all that sort of stuff. And so I swim laps now. 
And what that affords me is my for my brain to shut down because all it can think is don't drown, don't drown, don't drown, don't drown, don't drown. And your body's moving really, really fast. But my brain, all it has to do is go don't drown, don't drown, don't drown. And then I come out of the pool and I can return to, to the riding. So when it's not working, I keep telling myself you need to get away from the desk yeah. and, um, and move. Yeah. Mm. It's funny, funny you say that because um, I've only uh, Georgia's play. She plays water polo. Oh yeah, all right. And oh, about four months ago, three or four months ago, yeah, I asked her about water polo season. She goes, "Yeah, yeah, it's coming soon." I said, oh, would you like to maybe you know swim some laps, um, get some, yeah. strengthen up before?" She goes, "Yeah, that'd be great." And of course, me, terribly self conscious about my body, terrified of being naked in public. Um, Oh great! I'll go with you. Yeah, because you know, it's terrifying. And so she and I have been going. Uh, we've been going and, and swimming laps. What's your regimen? Like how many? How often do you go? What? Um, like how many laps do you? We do? try to do at least once a week. Because I'm also like I'm you know because I've got old man stuff. I've got you know, like recovering from a dislocated shoulder oh, and sure. all kinds of other injuries. Shit. Um, so I uh, no, I just got in the slow lane, mm-hmm. and I, I just you know had to suck it up and realize that everyone else is out here mostly naked as well. Yep. And, you know, only the guys over there with the fancy triathlon watches the ones with the mad rigs. Yeah. So, you know, everybody else is a bit softer in the middle. <laughs> well, you know. In the, we go. <laughs> you know, the other thing that I've kind of discovered, um, and maybe I think it's a particularly Sydney thing, but if you come from another state, you always think of Sydney being, oh, they're also body conscious. They're mm. all peacocks and they're walking around with their mad rigs. And the only people who are really, really engaged with them or kind of admiring them is usually themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and, what I kind of have discovered and loved about this city is that everyone can wear speedos and no one will really blink twice, like no matter what your body shape is because I, don't, I think people are so much more aware of themselves that no one's really looking at each, each right. other and that's been kind of liberating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would not have finished my book without that conversation with Benjamin Law. If you want to write a book. <laughs> go back and listen to the full episode because everything you need to know about writing a book is in that episode and everything that was in that episode got me over the line to finish writing my book. So that's, and that was a masterclass in how to do it. You can scroll back through the podcast feed to hear the full conversation with Benjamin Law. You can also hear him every night on Radio National. Uh, you can read one of his many, many books. Uh, he's also on social media, Mr. Benjamin Law. I'll see you on Friday. We'll have a quick check-in and then back on Monday with a a brand new guest. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you much to Bree Steele, who produced this episode, Andy Ma, who cut it up, and Rachel Barrett, my executive producer, Mike Mills, also known as Toe Hider on the music. Check out his live stream on Twitch on Thursday nights. It's super, super fun. And I'll see you Friday. Until then, sleep well and dream of beautiful things. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.